0: Well, I'll just focus today on our first reading here from 1 John. And uh, John is very clear. It's uh, not a lot of fancy stuff going on here. He basically says, if you act righteously, you're of God. If you don't, you're of the devil. So that's good. I mean, I, I think it's, it, it cuts through rationalizations. You know, we can say, well, you know, God's merciful and he loves me even though I'm living a sinful life and so forth and so on. Of course, we can always have hope. We can always have that virtue of hope. But we can have hope and we can have faith, but not charity. And unless we have charity, uh, we're not going to be saved. So it's important to have works and uh, have our faith um, being informed and enlightened and elevated by charity and have that Actually work in the, in the external world. And in St. John ends by talking about uh, loving, loving one's brother. Today we celebrate the feast of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. And she is a really important American saint. First of all, it's the first native born uh, American who has been canonized. And then also she really lays at the foundation of Catholic education. Which in America has quite a heritage. Catholic education in America has quite a heritage. It's very unique because in Europe, education was really a state affair, um, and it, the Catholic countries as well were. This is a, this is a state affair as well as a, a religious. So religion and state were together, um, and it worked well for a long time, and then after the Protestant Reformation, things started to kind of fall apart and there's a lot of religious diversity in Europe and America kind of started fresh from the from the ground up and says, okay, we're going to have this uh, more of a radical separation of church and state. So Catholics in America had to come up with their own solution as to how to transmit the faith. And the Catholic school education system was the answer. Uh, our first bishop, uh, Bishop McQuaid, was an incredibly zealous advocate of Catholic schools. And the the way that he would do this was basically, you'd have these groups of religious sisters. He invited the Sisters of Mercy into our diocese. He he invited the Sisters of St. Joseph into our diocese. And uh, the sisters would would literally go, there would be, um, the school was built first. Before anything else, so you'd have a, you'd have a church building, you'd have a school attached to it, and they would sleep in the offices of the school, basically, and uh, and the priest would too. And then the first thing that was built was the priest's rectory, and not, not the sisters' convent. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. So so that was the first you know order of of, uh, of priority, and then the convent was built. So the sisters were and, and, and all along they're educating the children. Um, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton was was directly involved, not in our diocese, but she was directly involved in that. I think a lot of her activity was in Massachusetts, uh, maybe Maryland, and other places. Um, And the other neat thing about her was that she uh, was a convert to the Catholic faith from Episcopalianism. Um, I remember reading a story about her once where she's in the Episcopalian Church, which was situated right next to the Catholic Church, whatever state this was in, it might have been Maryland, I don't know. And uh, uh, her husband was Episcopalian, and, and she grew up Episcopalian from what I understand. Uh, and yet, here she is, she's longing, her heart feels like the Eucharist is in that church next door, and not, it's not here. <laughs> so she's like, oh, I wish I could just be over there. So it's important, and, and there's so many things we learn from the life of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, but it's important that uh, today our... Uh, ecumenical mindset and efforts which are very, very important and they're a fruit of the Holy Spirit, a gift of the Holy Spirit don't turn into indifferentism Okay, so if we have so much in common with Christians of different traditions and we work together with them and we dialogue with them that doesn't mean we ignore our differences because our differences are real and the primary difference is the absence of the Eucharist in these other Christian groups they don't have it, and we do because we've maintained the priesthood and apostolic succession from apostolic times onward. So it's very important not to fall into religious indifferentism. If we fall into religious indifferentism, say, you know, we go to a funeral in an Episcopalian church and we receive their communion, and we're like, ah, what's the difference? No big deal. What we're doing is essentially insulting all the great saints that came before us. We're insulting St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, who converted precisely because Catholic Church has the Eucharist and the Episcopalian Church does not. We're making light of these very, very heavy and important issues and decisions that saints have made and have been issues that have directed the history of Christianity for 2,000 years. So we want to love our fellow Christian brothers and sisters and affirm all the things that we have in common with them, but we also don't want to ignore our differences and fall into what's called indifferentism. And St. Elizabeth Ann Seton uh, certainly did not do that. In addition to having true faith and a zeal for the Catholic faith, uh, after her husband died, she was a mother of five children. She converted to Catholicism and, and entered into religious life, which is kind of a neat thing, right? She was a natural mother, and then she became a spiritual mother. Uh, and she then dedicated her life to edu- the education of children. Um, her, The religious order that she founded is called the Sisters of Charity, So that's a great name. And she put that charity to to actual concrete work in the education of children. So this is what St. John is talking about. Uh, Don't think that you're of God unless you exercise love and an act of charity. Um, How much do we owe to the religious sisters for religious education over the past 100 years? and it is true and i know of i have relatives for example who tell me stories uh from the 1960s and there was physical abuse that took place and it was a very serious thing and it le- it i know one family member of mine it it, it was it um, resulted in lasting emotional damage to this person's life no doubt about it so you had some bad apples But at the same time, I've got another, for example, I've got another relative who's got nothing but positive experience from their Catholic school education. And we gotta take the good and the bad and look at the big picture and say, ultimately, these ladies sacrificed their whole lives so that the next generation could be, could have the faith. And they, and they're gone now. And the faith is dying. You see? So if we just recognize that what they really did give to us, is an amazing thing. So, you know, we need to pray uh to St. Elizabeth Ann Seton that the faith would be con- would continue to be transmitted to the next generation to the youth um, in God's own way, however that's going to happen. It's very difficult, okay? So, it's a it's a sad kind of acknowledgment, but it's also something that we need to really uh recognize as um what the female religious orders have done for us and what they did for us. And today it's a good day to think about that as we celebrate uh, the feast of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton.